I don't want to thank you for being here. The Bible is very clear about loving our enemies. I mean, there are all kinds of places that talk about that. In Matthew chapter 5, it says, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. So, and those are the words of Jesus saying, you know, what we need to do is to to love our enemies. Later in Romans chapter 12, he says, Friends, don't avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for his wrath. For it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. That's your enemy. Satan is also your enemy. But Satan is one that we should not be feeding and, and watching after and giving drink to and those kind of things. In fact, it's, it's interesting. We, we play around with Satan. And, and we, we give him a, a cute little red outfit and we dress like that at, at uh, almost said Thanksgiving. Uh, I, I have been around some people at Thanksgiving that kind of, Anyway, um, at Halloween time, we, uh, we make fun on TV. We make light, I guess I should say, on TV. Uh, we, we have Ouija boards and, and all kinds of things like that. And we've got to be careful. We must be careful about Satan because he doesn't care one lick about you or your life. And, and I got to be honest with you. I, I'm sometimes I'm even scared to do lessons like this simply because when Satan is offended, he tends to come after us. And so if you'll notice, Luke tells us that when, when the temptation came to Jesus, that he said it, he waited for a, a more opportune time. He left for a little while. We almost think that the, the temptation of Jesus was a one-time thing, that Satan came and he tempted Jesus and he failed and that was it. But he was there all the time. He was there just pushing uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie The Passion of the Christ. And, and there are some weird portrayals of Satan in there, kind of some of the stuff that, that we kind of dream up. But what I appreciated about it was he was always in the background. He was always hanging around. And that's what he did to Jesus. He tempted Jesus all his life. He asked Jesus if if he could sift Peter like wheat. Jesus told him that. And for a while it worked. 
And if that's what Satan will do to people like Jesus and Peter and the apostles and all those that Satan goes after, don't you think he would come after you? In 1 Peter chapter 5, 8 and 9, it says, Be serious, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him and be firm in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. In essence, he says, you're not alone. You're not the only one that's being tempted. But I think we've become calloused in some ways. How would you like to face that? We shut the doors, we lock the doors, and we release two or three hungry lions in here. What would you do? I'd feed Franklin to him. <laughs> Give him somebody else, you know. Here, he looks good, you know. We kind of tease about those kind of things, but really when we're faced with really the actual things, then, then it, it kind of gets scary. He's looking for something, someone he can devour is what it says. I told you we had our, our Christmas meal last night. I got to tell you, we devoured that food. Satan wants to do that to you. He wants to devour you. The message puts that passage like this. Keep a cool head. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Many of you have gone to the zoo or Yellowstone or places like that, and there are signs everywhere that say, do not feed the animals. And, and it's, it's always amazing to me. I mean, I've seen experiences in Yellowstone. I've seen people that want to take pictures to elk, uh, of elk, and they get as close as they can, or they hold their thing up, and then they wonder why that they get bitten. They wonder why something bad happens. And yet we do exactly the same thing. We, we, we tempt Satan in, in a sense. It's kind of like going to a cliff and saying, you know, let's see how close I can get to the edge. But I don't want to fall, and I'm not falling, but look how close I can get. We do that with Satan. We say, let me... Let me see how close I can get. Well, how does the Bible describe Satan? It describes him in a number of ways. It calls Satan the ruler of the world. He uses culture and society to dictate and what we are, what we think. He uses all those kind of things. And that's why we have to be careful about being like culture because Satan is so involved in culture. 
And I know there's a fine line, and we, we, we wrestle with this in the church uh, all, all down through the years. You know, what part is culture, what part is scripture? But, but we've got to keep returning to God's word to find out exactly what he wants us to do and exactly what's an, op, a, 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 an opinion. What is the command? What is the opinion? You see, Satan loves that dichotomy. He loves the, the choice that we have to make there because he plays the games. I got three grandchildren. And you ought to see how, the, I'm not going to tell you which one is which and which one does what. But they set little traps for each other. They do little things, you know, and then they, you know, when, they, when somebody says, don't do that, that wasn't me. Your kids probably did that too, didn't they? And you hear things in our lives like, well, I don't go to church because there are a bunch of hypocrites there. I'm guilty. I'm one of them. But you know what? That makes sense to me. Satan already owns the world. Why do you think he would waste time on the world when he could spend his time getting those who profess to be like Jesus? You see, he saves his best work for, for you. He saves his best work for people who try to follow him. And as I said, if he tried Jesus, don't you think he would try you? In John 12, there are several Greeks that come to Philip and ask to see Jesus. And Jesus talks to them about a seed falling to the ground and dying just like he'll have to. And Jesus is troubled in spirit because of this. Can you imagine that? He knows he's going to die a painful death. Yeah, I understand that. And he says, Father, glorify your name. And a voice comes out. And I mean, they, they thought it thundered. And it, it says, I have glorified it, and I'll glorify it again. And the people just were amazed at this voice. And Jesus says, the voice was not for me, but for you. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. The ruler of this world. That's what Satan is called. And I know what, what, what you're saying. You're probably saying, well, I thought God was the ruler of the world. Yeah, he is. He's the ruler of the universe. He's the ruler of everything. But he's allowed Satan to do his work for now. It's only temporary. In John chapter 14, Jesus utters the famous passage where he says, peace I leave to you, my peace I give to you. And in that discourse, Jesus says, I will not talk with you much longer because the ruler of the world is coming and he has no power over me. And so John mentions the ruler of the world again in John 16. So if he works in society and culture, why do you think Paul tells us not to let the world squeeze us into its mold. Number two, 
Paul calls Satan the God of this world. If you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, Therefore, since we have this ministry because we were shown mercy, we don't give up. Instead, we have renounced shameful secret things, not walking in deceit or distorting God's message, but commending ourselves to every person's conscience in God's sight by an open display of the truth. But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this age, there it is. The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your slaves because of Jesus. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus. I'm, I'm a pretty simple mind. <laughs> I didn't hear any amens and that's good. I, uh, I, I have to, to break things down. Either God exists or he doesn't exist. One or the other. There's, there's God or there's nothing. Either there's God and Satan or there's nothing. I mean, there has to be God or there has to be Satan. It's, it's, it's this dichotomy. There's good and there's evil. You've heard me talk about the Holy Spirit. I think the Holy Spirit moves and works. But if the Holy Spirit moves and works, is there an unholy spirit? Where Satan comes in and dwells. And, and some people say, well, Jim, that sounds like demon possession. Okay, yeah, uh, I, I, I believe in that. I, I'm not sure... We can, we can discuss it another time if he comes in like we used to see in, in the Bible. But if he dwells in us and he, he, he works in us and has us do things, and I don't mean against our will, but if we live for Satan, isn't that the holy, unholy spirit? Jesus says, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, then the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sins. He talks about darkness in a lot of different places. But you see, Satan has set himself up as a false god. And, and we don't even know it sometimes. We, we tend to, 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 to follow him and to bow down to him. And I know what you're saying. What about free will, Jim? But he allows us. He allows us to make up our minds. Whom do we follow? Do we follow Satan? Do we follow Jesus? And some people, and, and I've used this illustration before, but some people say, you know, I, I can't keep these thoughts from coming to my mind. And somebody said one time, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. And he calls us. To follow him but the scripture also calls him the prince of the air now that's kind of a weird thing isn't it in ephesians chapter 2 as for you you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live i love that 
Uh, Paul says that in 1 Corinthians also. You know, that's what you used to do. This is when you, uh, he says, what you used to, uh, to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those are disobedient. There it is. The spirit who is now at work in those uh, who are disobedient, the kingdom of the air. You see, Paul's readers believed that spiritual forces lived in that space between earth and sky. There was a, you, know, you, you had heaven and you had earth and that space in between. They said, that's where Satan reigns. This passage in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, I, I love it. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. I've discussed this before, but the King James Version uses the term in the way you used to walk. I, I really prefer that. I prefer that translation because it gives at least to me an image of our life as a walk. And we're walking with God. We choose to walk with God. But there are times when we go off the beaten path and we choose, maybe I should say the beaten path is what Satan puts out because uh, Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction. But we tend to, okay, you know, I, I think I want to walk with, with Satan. And we walk with the one who is of the kingdom of the air. Satan has a lot of names. I, I, I think the one that I, I appreciate the most is the roaring lion. But he's called the tempter. He's called the adversary. And the one that I think is interesting is Jesus calls him liar. You like being around liars? You like being around people who don't tell the truth? That you don't know from one thing to the next whether or not it's true or not? Not only is Satan a liar, but Jesus calls him the father of lies. I, I don't know where you stand politically, and frankly, it doesn't matter. But I'm blown away how they all lie. They just... They, and then they'll say something like, well, I was just making a joke. Or, oh, I didn't really mean that. You see, it's exactly what Satan does. Satan plays tricks on you. He plays games. You know, he told Jesus, he said, uh, you know, if, if, why don't you turn these stones to bread? You know, and then he even said, he, if you don't think Satan knows scripture, what did he say to Jesus when he said, why don't you just toss yourself off the temple? Because the Bible says he shall give his angels charge over you. Satan knows the scriptures probably better than you do. And so he's a liar. And in the garden, you remember when the serpent came up to Eve? And God says, you can eat of any of the trees except one. You cannot eat 
of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because if you eat of that, you will die. And the serpent came up and said, did God really tell you that? Because if you eat of that, you will not die. He lied. And Adam and Eve believed Satan more than they believed God. And so it comes down to this. Who do you believe more? Who do you believe more? Do you believe Satan? Or do you believe God? You see, God doesn't move around. He's not one who changes. He's not one who lies. The scripture says he's the same today as he was yesterday as he'll be tomorrow. But Satan will move all over the place just to get you to do what he wants. It's your choice. And you see, you see these passages of scripture talking about, well, Satan is, is the, the, the god of the air or the, the, the ruler of the world. Well, that's only temporary because you see, God is eternal. 